You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening to the Saturday edition of Nick Luck Daily with me, Charlotte Greenway. It's Friday the 3rd of September. This week saw the Racing League come to a close after six weeks with Team TalkSport coming out on top and Jack Mitchell ending it as leading jockey. Away from the racecourse, the BHA confirmed that they will amend the handicapping system in Britain when it comes to National Hunt horses as they begin to decline in the latter parts of their career, meaning they'll be dropped more quickly than currently happens. Also, Harry Durham, nephew and assistant champion trainer Paul Nichols, announced that he will leave the yard in May next year to set up on his own and hopefully take his licence out in May 2023. Looking ahead to this weekend, the main race in the UK is a sprint cup at Haydock, where impressive July Cup winner Starman will be looking to notch a second Group 1. Connections are worried about the prospect of soft ground, however the weather looks to have been kind to them and after looking like he didn't quite get home in France last time, Tom Stanley caught up with Ed Walker to see if he was happy with everything going into this weekend. Yeah, very happy. I mean, to be honest with you, yeah. Um, you know, he's been in great shape since, since France and, um, you know, this has kind of always been the plan, albeit, you know, half feeling that it wouldn't happen with the ground, but um, hopefully, maybe... This time, um, the weather will be kind to us. Uh, any any sort of you know track concerns or, or anything ground aside, anything about the race which which worries you at all, or, or do you go there fairly confident? No, no, nothing at all. I hate straightforward, and, and um, you know he's um, no. I mean, it's obviously it's a Group One. There's no easy Group Ones, but he's uh, um, you know he goes there in, in great form, and I'm like, no, I can't really. Normally making any excuses before the race, anyway. Yeah, um, great stuff. Look, look forward to seeing him. Thanks, Ed. Over in France on Sunday, we had hoped to see Bayed versus Poetic Flair in the Group One Prix de Moulin at Longchamp. However, Jim Bolger confirmed on this morning's episode that Poetic Flair will miss this in favour of a step up in trip in next weekend's Irish Champion Stakes. That certainly looks a tough assignment, since he'll hopefully be taking on the likes of St Mark's Basilica and Tanawa. But we've still got Bayed on Sunday, and he's certainly been the talking horse since his win at Goodwood last time, if not since Newmarket the time before. He's yet to find a rival that can even get close to him, and this weekend offers the first opportunity for him to show what he's made of at the highest level. Nick spoke to William Haggis earlier in the week, and started by asking whether he agrees with Angus Gold that the horse has hyped himself. Well, he's, he's been pretty impressive in everything he's done. Uh, so far, in every step-up in class he's had, he's taken with a plomp. So he's going for the ultimate step-up in class on Sunday, all being well. What do you think Baid's most potent weapons are? Well, he, he, he's a strong traveller. Uh, we don't know how much you'll find off the bit yet, because he hasn't really come off the bit uh, yet, but uh, he will do on Sunday. Um He's got speed, and I think he's got stamina too. I think he'll stay well on the corner, no problem. And is he straightforward to deal with as a rule? Very. So, 
you know, we think he's very straightforward. Yeah, he's very straightforward to train so far. Anyway, um, do you think he's the best miler you've had? Um, could be. It's not a. It's not a. Well, I haven't got much strength in any department, but it's not a department that I have a lot of strength in. So yes, he's. There's every chance he, he will be. Yeah, we had a very good horse shake hand in a while ago that nobody saw the best of called Ackland, who actually won the uh, Prix de Mola some years ago. So, uh, yeah, he's a pretty good horse. This. He looks a good horse on what he's achieved so far. Well, we are looking forward very much to seeing him, William. Thank you very much for talking to me. Pleasure, Nick. A trainer who certainly hasn't been deterred by the hype surrounding Baid is Richard Hannon, who runs Philly Snow Lantern in Sunday's Prudhoe Moulin. And this is what he said to Nick when he spoke last week about what the Philly's plans were. He's going to take on Baid. Richard, 121. More famous than Seabiscuit he is. <laughs> I, I get the feeling that you're, you're, you're not frightened of taking on Baid with Snow Lantern. Yeah, well, you know, we can always go back to Philly's only races. And I couldn't hang on to her for another month since, since Goodwood. You know, she was just, she's jumping out of her skin and she needs a run. I'm not saying this is a run, but I mean, this is going to be a very tough race. But I think it comes at a perfect time and we can still go to the Sun Chariot. I was at Wardship Down Stud earlier in the week to record the first of six episodes that will be focusing on preparing their yearlings for the sales and the different roles that those involved play in that process. I spoke with General Manager Simon Marsh and Stud Manager Terry Doherty, who are currently mid-sales prep for Tassels but won the elite yearling sale in the UK. I started by asking Simon how they choose which yearlings to send to the sales and which ones to keep. Basically, with Watership Downs, our own horses, um, we basically sell the colts and race the fillies. Um, but then we have a number of clients here who um, might race or, or sell. And the process of... Um, whittling down the horses to which ones we're going to sell really starts from very, very early on, you know, when they're young foals. And um, we already kind of know basically where they're going to go, which kind of whether they're going to be a book one type yearling or a book two pretty early on in their lives. You say that you know pretty early on which yearlings will be heading to each sale, but what makes a book one horse and what signs are these horses giving you? The individual has got to be um, correct um, and it's got to be by the right stallion and it's got to have a, you know, top, top class pedigree. So you've got 19 heading to book one. Tell us a little bit about this draft and how it compares to previous years. I think it's a very, very strong draft. We've got some beautiful horses with top class pedigrees out of young mares, stakes winning mares. And I think as a whole, it's, it's extremely strong. But I mean, Terry's been here from the very beginning and he, he's seen every draft of horses we've ever taken up to the sales. So Terry, you, you can say what you think about those. The, the yeah, no, I, I, do, I agree. I think we've definitely got a strong draft. It's cold heavy. We sometimes have uh, a, a number of fillies and we've only got a small number of fillies going to sales. But the individuals match their pedigrees, which sometimes is very difficult to do. And so we're six weeks away from the sale itself. So what has their preparation entailed up to this point since they came in out the field? They start off, we start off, when we fetch them in, we're very gentle with them. They've been in the field for uh, 10 months of their lives since weaning. So when they come in, we, we fetch them in, we gently start putting bridles into their mouths, we, t- we do their teeth, 
which is very important, and we start building their feed up and building their fitness up, there's no point fetching them in and driving them around, expecting them to do more than they're physically ready to do. So the initial two, first couple of weeks when they come in, they, get, they come in, they get fed, they go out in the field individually, we split them up, put them on their own. Um, and they go out in the field, back in, sleep at night, get used to just being coming into stables and changing their routine. Once we've got that routine changed and they're settled in their boxes, then we'll start increasing their workload and their feed. And just we're, we're just trying to build an athlete at that stage. Now, you've got different types of yearlings. You've got a showcasing, a speedy type and say, see the stars, which, you know, is a mid- looking to be a middle distance horse. Do they go through the same prep or does it vary between each yearling? They go through the physical work in pretty much the same way, feeding slightly different. If you're feeding a bullock and feeding a little tiny deer, it's very different. Uh, but most of the horses uh, go through the same workload. Yes, some, some horses have to work harder to, to uh, gain the same uh, frame as something that looks an early type. So if you've got a two-year-old type, then it's much easier to work it quite quickly than it is to look uh, a classic distance three-year-old. And so we've just walked into the stable with a Dubawi colt out of bound who's heading to book one. He's from the family of last year's Derby winner Serpentine. He's stood under a blue light at the moment. You know, it's middle of the day. Tell us a little bit about this lighting system. Well, the lighting system here is a computerised sunlight daylight lighting system that we can extend the daylight. At the start of the day, they start off as if the sun was rising, they're red and they go brighter and brighter as the day goes through. So by noon, they're incredibly bright and you don't really want to look at them. And then they drop down again and by nine o'clock at night, they're back to red. Um, but it's very important that the horses keep their summer coat. So what we try and do is keep them warm, keep them clean, but the light's the, one of the most important parts. And you can see next to that, there's another light system, which is an infrared heating light system. So if the temperature drops below 10, then we automatically put those on at night and drop them off during the day. They're rugged at night, but they're not rugged in the day because the coat needs to breathe. At the moment, they're in summer sheets, which are very lightweight. In another week or so, they'll change into heavier rugs. But it's very important to keep that summer coat because you've got to make it look like it's an athlete. It's got to be in the best condition it can be in the beginning of October. And many of these yearlings will never have left the stud and they're about to go to sales and be surrounded by hundreds of other yearlings and hundreds of people. How do you prepare them mentally for something like that? Well, we try and, and make life easy for them. We, we get um, quite a few clients coming in to do private viewings um, and we do yearling shows. We have a show green here. We try and expose them to what's, what's coming. We're never going to be able to do that uh, without taking them to a sale. But it's a very big ask for a young horse. They're only babies. And we, uh, we're very lucky that we can um, expose them to private client shows. We take them for, for quite long walks around the farm. Um, we have a yearling walk. And we'll do something different every day if we can. But we're never going to get them really ready for that initial shock of being in a yard of 40 horses and going for a walk in the pitch black at 5 o'clock in the morning. You know, having people come to the stud is is really important for the for everybody actually, not only for the um, horses but also for the for the people who are leading them up. Um, you know, 
Terry can keep an eye out and we can see who is actually showing the horses the best and, um, and you know, just pick up people who maybe can do something slightly different in, in, in presenting and showing the horses, which is an incredibly important part of the, the um, whole process of, um, of selling the horses, actually showing them, making sure they're standing properly, etc. And, you know, that can all be done here on the farm where, you know, it's in private and, you know, we're showing them to an individual person like Agus Gold, for instance, coming here next week to look at look at the draft. And, um, you know, it, it's good to see how what their reactions are to the horses. You know, we've, we've been here, we've nurtured these horses um, up until now and basically nobody else has seen them except for ourselves and the vets and the farriers. And... It's, it's, you know, we, we can look through rose-tinted glasses at them, but suddenly, you know, reality will dawn and, you know, having a third party look at them and getting their, um, their views is, is really important. We, we, we have a full-time team here and we have a seasonal team that come in and help with the yearly. And they love their horses, you know. These guys actually do this job because they love it. So they're very proud of what, what they achieve as a team and, and as, uh, on a whole, and their, their individual prowess about their, their horses, they love it when their horse does well and they can stand it and they can show it. And if it does very well in the sale ring, then they're ecstatic. You mentioned earlier that you keep some of the watership yearlings to race. Do you believe that the sale's perhaps an important part of these horses' education? And so do you put them through something similar? Yeah, I mean, interestingly, the, um, we've got a uh, Dubawi cult out of Daremi, um, who can't be sold because um, he's got injured. But we are putting him through the yearling prep because I think it's very good for him um, mentally to do all that and to be with people and put on, you know, and um, led and lunged and put on walker, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So he is literally going through a yearling prep and will go rather than going up to Tattersalls, he'll go to Malcolm, um, who breaks our horses, and he'll go straight in there, literally when the horses go up to the sales. You've obviously got some lovely horses heading to the sale and some really exciting ones, but how important is it to manage everyone's expectations? Um, yeah, I mean, that is a that is an extremely difficult thing to do at the end of the day, but everybody is very hopeful, obviously, they're going to get the maximum amount for their horses, but um, there are so many hoops you've got to jump through to get that um, that moment where you've got um, you, you you get a horse that makes a, a lot of money, um, but um, you know you've got to have a horse that has clean X-rays. He's got to scope well. He's got to be very clean-winded. He's got to be correct. He's got to have the right pedigree, and then you've got to have a situation at the sales itself where you have a number of people who want. To buy him and want to buy him at a value that the, the, the client or the owner might think, you know, thinks he's worth and wants to let him go at. Um, so I think the thing about it is one's got to be realistic all the time. These are obviously an incredibly nice bunch of horses. Do you feel the pressure working with them and possibly more so the closer you get to the sale? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, these horses love to hurt themselves. It's part of a horse's uh, remit to, to, to do as much damage to itself as it possibly can. Um, so we spend our lives trying to 
reduce that risk. Um, I mean, even even at the you know you say getting up to the sales, but I mean even at the sales, when we're there, we've had various disasters where horses have either got injured in their boxes or they've got loose or you know something you know so until they get through the ring and the hammer goes down and they've and they're back in the box and they've gone and they've had their wind test and they've passed their wind test it's not until that moment that you can actually say right the job has been done and that horse is away and he's belongs to somebody else so this is quite a stressful time of the year. How does that compare to the foaling season, say, which must be incredibly busy? So what's the feel in the yard then? It's very different. Uh, foaling season is a much calmer. You've got to be calm when you're dealing with mares, heavy pregnant mares and foaling mares. It's a much calmer, much slower pace. Um, it has to be. Whenever you walk in a box and a mare's having a foal, you've got to be calm. So everything just slows right down um, for the mares. It's a very different type of stress. You can be absolutely cooking inside, but you've got to prove to that mare that everything's absolutely fine. She's not in trouble, you're not in trouble. But if you have a problem when you're folding, believe me, it's a problem. I hope you enjoyed that bit of insight. I certainly learned a few things while I was there. And Nick will be bringing you part two to that next Friday morning. That also brings this episode to a close. Thank you very much for listening. Nick will be with you on Monday morning as usual. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.